Sakuna Show. Hey, I'm Morty from All Day Soccer, and you are listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andros Jones. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball. Give us a shake. We are here in your ear. Tempting fate. Wherever you are, questions put to song. Randomly, with the help of our friends, synchronicity. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones. Did I already say that? Let me just say it again. I'm your host, Andras Jones, and today we are tributing Joni Mitchell, the great songwriter, the great artist, the cultural icon that she is, and inviting folks who have some insight, expertise, just devotion, to her as an artist to ask the questions and then getting the songs from uh, randomly chosen songs from her catalog performed by some of the finest musicians in Los Angeles. And now we're joined by someone who was just, who really, you know, it's like, uh, it's like close encounters. We have, she was the guest who was the very last one on the spaceship and probably maybe the, the one who was most chosen in that sense. She is Sarah T. Russell. She is a native Angelino as well as an integral part of the LA DIY underground music community. And she is currently the charismatic leader and vocalist of the lesbian Viking rock band Sapphic Musk. Sapphic Musk. Welcome to the realm of the pop oracle, Sarah T. Russell. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I, I, I feel like we could do an interview show just about you and your music, but we're here to talk about Joni. So, oh, yes. So, how did you come to Joni Mitchell? Well, it was quite quite a few years ago. I was um, a teenager, probably fifteen, in the high desert of California. You know, very lonely and um, kind of like you know the angst teenager. And um, I was going through a box of my parents' like cassette tapes, but like from the early days of cassette tapes you know, handwritten labels. And one said Joni Mitchell Blue and I um I put it in the cassette player and All I Want, which is the first track on that album, came on and it blew my mind. I couldn't really, you know, comprehend exactly why or anything at the time, but it like ev- like other Joni Mitchell people say, it spoke to me. And um, there is some frequency in her voice that reached higher levels and it it completely woke me up and um yeah it, that and then i became obsessed and i 
you know, listen to every other album. And have you played? I think. Oh, what's that? I was going to ask: Have I, you have you played any of her? Have you played her songs? Um, the ones that I could possibly figure out by ear, like both both sides now. But no, I mean, it's it's difficult to play those Joni Mitchell songs, you know, by reading music or something, because her her tuning is completely different every time, and she does her own sort of tuning, and that's how she wrote the songs as well, you know. Yeah, and so is there is there something like that you as a fan I mean we've sort of gotten into this uh, on the show leading up to this that you know there's she someone on the show earlier called her music leader music as opposed to follower music and mm-hmm. almost suggested that there was something violent or lacking compassion in it but that's what you have to be to be a leader that you can't you can't really afford to be be soft on on the important issues. You know, you're you're singing to something larger, and you're le- you're forging ahead. Do you feel like that's I believe the case? That, yeah. Absolutely, with Joni. Absolutely, I feel like um, it's it's weird. Joni is almost holy, um, and I would never. You know, that's such a strong term, and it's not given lightly, but. She's the real deal. I feel like she's it's she's so honest in every way. She and she's she's like no bullshit, you know? Um and I think that it's weird because her fans I hear so much when I read about so many fans of hers that get mad. I read this one thing and I can't even remember the writer's name, but she said she wrote this whole thing about Joni Mitchell and how hard it is to be a fan of Joni and and it's like you're a fan of Joni Mitchell how else would it be like you know you have to accept her as an artist and I think a lot of her fans aren't or have not been willing to accept her growth as an artist you know she's passionate about like jazz she's passionate about painting she's passionate about old standard ballads and she's gone in that direction from a lot of her you know and painting like these are all her things and she's explored those avenues as an artist um and i think that a lot of her fan base they become alienated because she's not doing like the pretty flower child you know folk songs and i i think it's pretty selfish of you know and that's the thing you, you can't i don't know joni is like the straight dope <laughs> you know yeah it's like except her for all that she is and she's an artist and and i love that about her excellent Um, excellent yeah well i'm i'm tempted to just jump right into your question but is there any other uh you know i i I introduced this show as saying that i i'm someone i don't describe myself as a fan of joni mitchell but that's out of respect to what it like i don't like when people claim fanship of something when they just like it a lot they haven't really Mm rigorously studied it so this is my opportunity to get a really deeper to to get on that deep dive for the Joni Mitchell ride and so if you met someone who was in that situation like I really like I really like Joni Mitchell I've had some really profound experiences with some of her music I've seen her live once and it was an amazing like really one of those the great shows I mean it's not a show one of the great musical experiences I've had you know and I have her whole discography because I just collect stuff 
you know, in the age of the internet. So I have it all at my fingertips. Where, what would you say to someone who wanted to go to that next level with Joni? Oh God, it's, it's so hard because like her work spans so much, you know, um, and it would be, it would be an individual thing depending on the individual. I don't know. I don't um, even mean necessarily which which record to check out, but mm-hmm. like, like say if I was gonna say if, if someone liked like the Beach Boys, but they didn't know they hadn't they hadn't done the deep dive on it, I'd be like, you know, don't just stop at 1967. Maybe check out Friends because mm-hmm. and and follow the Brian Wilson train. Don't don't get distracted by the other stuff and then oh okay now i have the key (laughs) follow brian wilson (laughs) so is there something like that with joni mitchell um yeah well so like her first like four albums um were sort of as far as style goes um you know sonically sort of um similar and and you kind of got that like whole package i mean you know her lyrics have always been amazing and complex and that's throughout her stuff to date um but she really took like a a different path when she i would say the hissing of the summer lawn started she started veering off in another direction um as far as like instrumentation and uh songwriting the sound of it uh and it, it it's really interesting she started dealing with some different themes um it, it's it's interesting and you can really follow her like you know her passion she's very like open about that when she writes and then like don juan's reckless daughter was after i'm pretty sure it was after hissing of the summer lawns that album is completely it's almost got a world music feeling and that's a real it's such a cool album i'd say like check out it definitely check that album out um, so the so the departure so for for you the departure is after the first four records and Hissing it begins with hissing of the summer lawns. Like and it's, it's such a drastic change, yeah. Cool. That's um, a, that's exactly what I was looking for. So now, with that little nugget for us, for those of us who are following <laughs> along the Joni Mitchell path, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? Okay, I had to think long and hard today about this, and my question for the Pop Oracle is, and it's a multi multiple choice question um i'm gonna give some options after i ask it and anyone who's sort of familiar with a couple of the albums of Joni may get my um references for my multiple choice here um okay pop oracle is my spirit animal one of the following people david crosby graham nash James Taylor, Dao Pistorius, Charles Mingus, Larry Klein, or Shaka Khan. Oh, took a took a little left turn there at the end. Okay, well, uh, so we're on the search for your spirit animal, and now yeah, should I repeat that? No, we'll, we'll, we'll repeat it at the end. We'll repeat it after the song. So if we represents it. So now to engage the pop oracle on your behalf, I am going to spin the wheel of eight. Na, 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 wheel of eight. 
Song number six, Cold Blue Steel from For the Roses, performed by Tara Austin and David Goodstein. All right. Is everybody ready? Yep. Yes. Gold will steal out of money One eye for the beat police Sweet fire calling You can't deny me Now you know what you need Underneath the jungle gym Hollow grave fire escape thief Looking for sweet fire Shadow of Lady Release Come with me, I know the way She says it's down, down, down The dark ladder Do you want to contact somebody first? Leave someone later You can come now Or you can come later Watch a ring downstairs scream Edgy black cracks of the sky Pin cushion prick fix this poor bad dream Money gone shadows reply Pawn shots crisscrossed and padlocked Corridors spit on prayers and please Sparks fly off
good. That was Cold Blue Steel performed by Tara Austin on vocals, David Goodstein on guitar and backing vocals, Gabriel Gordon on the electric guitar, and the fabulous Fuzby Morse on the flute. And that was the answer to Sarah's question about her spirit animal. Is it... I mean, David Crosby, Graham Nash, James Taylor, Jaco Pastorius, Charles Mingus, someone or Chaka Khan. Who was the other one? <laughs> Larry Klein. Um, Larry, Larry Klein. Yeah. Was that all um, of them? That yeah, that's I think. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. But you got yeah, very <laughs> good. Um, that was great, by the way. That's not an easy song to play, I imagine. Oh, it was. I am being in the room with this music. It does. It does go deeper. It goes much deeper into me. Amazing. That uh, album's amazing for the roses, by the way. Yeah. So Tara and David, that this the inspiration to do the song was yours. What 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 inspired you to do this one, David? You were. It was your suggestion. Yeah. Yeah, my suggestion. Um, her, I mean, where do you begin with her? It's like the Beatles. Well, what, why that but song? That song killed me a few years ago because that record is kind of like, that was the record where she started moving into that other direction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of artists will move into that direction, but they don't have... Mingus and Miles <laughs> on their jock, you know, <laughs> like her move in that direction was as legit as anyone's has ever been. And it was only like a few years later, right? All of a sudden she's collaborating with Mingus and then she's got Herbie on the record. And, and I mean, she just that that record kind of was the start of it. You know, there's the folk Joni and then there's, you know. I'm moving forward, and that song has, I mean, she's just a poet, yeah. harmonically, lyrically, melodically, in every in every design, she's a poet, and that song in particular is a beautiful song, and I love it. It was so, uh, yeah, gorgeous. And, yeah. and Tara, does that song live someplace special for you? Actually, um... I, I did not know this song walking into this. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. And, and we had this long conversation about um, uh, songs that we definitely imagine would be incredibly influential on Prince because we both share a love of Prince's music. And um, <laughs> I mean, I know he was heavily influenced by Joni Mitchell. And it was like, oh, my God, this, this song, you can definitely hear like just certain phrases. And it it was just, I don't know. I mean... It's so dark and deep and just just the subject matter of of the song uh, just kind of blew me away. What, so when you what is the subject? What do you think is the subject matter of the song? Oh, God. Spiraling down in drug use. I mean, it's it's just. Hold on a second. Hey, hey guys. <laughs> yes, I didn't want to say let, it. I didn't want to let say her, it. Let her let her do her but, thing. Um, Don't just stop. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so, obviously, this song is is to me about heroin addiction and um, just the 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 way she describes it is just heartbreaking and uh, definitely reflects the sign of the times and and uh, 
just seems like such an accurate, accurate depiction and so po- poetically talked about. And her phrasing, obviously her phrasing on everything she does, but the phrasing of this particular song and the jazz influence. And, Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, um, I are, think yes. Yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know if I have bad cell reception. I hope I didn't interrupt. Yeah, uh, we're no, we're you, it's fine. We we can, but uh, we'll. I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> we're working with lots of different elements here. So, uh, so Sarah, what do you think about that? Is the answer to your question? I th- I, I got to tell you, there is a specific answer. I know the answer to that question. Yeah, it's a very yeah. clear answer. But I want to know oh, what you yeah. thought not happy with who my spirit animal is I'd, I'd rather have mingos or you know pistorius or something um it that song is actually as far as i've what i've heard is that it's written about james taylor and his heroin addiction and jody jody joni dated james taylor for a while and he you know so i knew that he'd like end up on one of the answers because he's all over her music um but i as far as i know i don't know if it's been confirmed but she wrote that song about him and his heroin addiction oh and like sweet baby like like uh you know the blue this blue-eyed sweet baby james Mm -hmm. i never really thought about that you know but that's not the answer that i thought i I mean it's a very clear answer that it's chaka it's chaka khan It's clear. It's clear. Well, you know, because I, because I, I did a little, I did a little research, and so first of all, she talks about Lady Release going, uh, or, or no, uh, is it Lady Release? Mm-hmm. Yeah, going, Lady going down, Release. down, down, and so I looked up, down, 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 and on the album Chaka, Chaka Khan has a song called "Some Love," and the first lyrics are "Some Love, you know it brings me." Down, down, down. Get out of Some here. love, you know, it brings me down, down, down. That's so, a really good. Song. I didn't even think of that. So what, even what, though what, she wrote it for James Taylor and his heroin addiction, was it was meant for Shaka oh, Khan. Shaka Khan was seventy six. Yeah, because this album was, was seventy two. Seventy two. Oh yeah. Put in seventy one. No, so. no, she wrote it. Clearly, Joni Mitchell wrote it for James Taylor. I'm right. just saying, as far as the answer oh, okay. to the question here okay. from Sarah, her <laughs> about her spirit animal, the spirit animal, the song seems to be saying it's about lady release and like again, release your spirit animal, right? You are the yeah, lady releasing yeah. the spirit animal, animal, and it's going down, down, down. And I, you know, and I, I imagine what? Why? Why Chaka Khan? Why did you throw her in the mix? Did she and Joni? She, she was on um, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter. She sang vocals on that album. Tenth World. Oh. And what year was that record? 1977. I want to say 76. So 76, 77, around the time that Chaka Khan came out with Some Love. And so, you know, I think, <laughs> so it's, a, so it's, I'd rather, oh, yeah, I'd rather have Saka Khan as my spirit animal, like a million times. So that's awesome. I'm happy with this. Hey, I saw her at the Trader Joe's a few months ago. So Chaka Khan at the Trader Joe's. Definitely oh my in my God, neighborhood. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm jam where they're at a party. David Goodstein's jam with Chaka Khan. Yeah. We got a lot of Chaka. We got that's a lot. really cool. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, it's a great. It's like nice. It's good. Some good sister sisterhood energy. I like. It was, she was the only woman in your in your list, right? Yeah, that's. I know. I didn't plan it that way. I was just um, going off of people on Joni's albums and stuff. Well, off the clear, top of my head. Well, you know, you could you could do worse than Chaka Khan. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like James Taylor. <laughs> hey, 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 now, hey, hey, hey. Some of his own stuff is really pretty. I love I love James Taylor's stuff. 
We're going to do a James no, Taylor great. tribute one of these days. He was such yes. a, everybody thought he was so like, you know, sweet and candy. Like he's like a serious, like disturbed heroin user, which is so cool. Ask her if she knows who signed James Taylor first. Oh, we know. Does Peter, she know? The, what? The great, the great. I know Peter. you know. I asked if she knows. Okay, since she doesn't like James Taylor, <laughs> she doesn't not like James Taylor. Does she know who signed I own albums. I have some of his stuff. Uh, the Beatles. <laughs> David Goodstein was going to ask who who signed James Taylor originally. Did you know? Apple Records, The Beatles, Peter Asher. Actually, Peter Asher. Peter Asher. Peter Asher signed signed them. Well, but let's not. Let's he not, brought them to the Beatles, and yeah. they signed him. Let's not go down the like. This is a Joni episode. <laughs> I know. I'm just giving James his cred. Oh, down the rabbit hole we go. Oh, see, you made her hang up on us. <laughs> Why you do that, David? Why do you like? Th- okay, this is this. We got to get into this. We got to get into this. We're gonna get her here. Wait till we have her here. Because this is very important. This is a very important piece of the Joni story. Do and, you wanna hey, sorry about that. Somebody first. Okay. <laughs> I don't, no, I don't know who signed James Taylor. I was trying to remember, but what was the reprise records? No, it was actually Apple Records, and they were she signed, he was signed by the Beatles. But this is one of the things that has come up oh, in yeah. in my life a lot, and this is one something I talked about early was that so much of my original conversation, money of my original conversations about Joni Mitchell were about. How about were arguments about Joni Mitchell? And it almost always came down to arguments about J- Joni Mitchell and James Taylor. Like Joni Mitchell fans hating on James Taylor, James Day- Taylor fans, I think actually liking Joni Mitchell and just sort of defending themselves from being pissed, having Joni Mitchell fans be pissed off at them. And this, I guess there is this Joni James like uh, rivalry, which is so weird because they, I wow. mean, why is there a rivalry? They he's, they collaborate together. They love each other. Shine. He played all over they Shine. They shouldn't be. I'm much smarter than James Taylor, I think, probably lyrically and um, just, you know, consciously. I think that's probably what it is. And, people, you know, people feel like she's theirs and how, you know, it's sacred and James is this kind of a bubblegum. But, I mean, he plays beautiful guitar in blue. So, I mean, like, he's the guitar sound on that album. So I know. Any real Joni fan can't discredit him. He should be up there. He should be sainted just for that. Yeah, he's on her last record, too. <laughs> no. Yeah, is he on her last record? Shine. Isn't yeah. he all over Shine? Yeah. I hope that uh, that helped you in your search for the spirit animal. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed that rendition of Cold Blue Steel. It was great. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to listen to Four of the Roses tomorrow because it's such a great album. She, um, it was such a departure. That's right. And she, like, went away after... Right before she made that album, she like went away and moved into this cabin on the beach far away and had no electricity for like a year. And then she wrote that album. So she's going through some major like inner growth. And it's just, it's such a cool album. I recommend anyone who hasn't heard it to really listen to it. It's really cool. And maybe also check out Chaka Khan. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. She sings on Dreamland. On Dreamland, it, that's such a great track on um, Don Juan's Reckless Daughter, Chaka Khan. Awesome. Just saying. Yeah. Well, more and more to, for all us right. to check out. We'll put the, all these links in this in this podcast. So, thank you very much. I know you're at a rehearsal, so we'll let you get back to it. And thanks yeah. to the crowd here, to Tara Austin, David Goodstein, Gabriel Gordon, and Fuzby Morris for a fantastic rendition of Cold Blue Steel from For the Roses. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Radio Eight Ball. 
If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time... I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Wave Ball Show.